0: G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to our Breaking the Boundaries in the Ag World. Partnered with Ag World for this series, it's going to be a great one, talking to operators, farm owners, the CEO of Semios to dive into what Ag World and what its community is all about. The Ag World ecosystem allows you to collect data at every level of your operation and shares this data with everyone that matters to you on farm and how important that is in 2022. Today, we'll be talking to Michael Gilbert, all the way from Vancouver, Canada. Michael is the CEO and founder of SEMIOS, which has recently invested into AgWorld. Michael combines his extensive expertise with a progressive leadership style and encourages those around him to push the boundaries of precision agriculture while embracing risk and experimentation. So important within Australian Ag today. So this is a beautiful series to get started into with Michael and the team at Ag World. In this episode, we'll cover the power of data and how it has changed the way we farm, why farmers should be curious in 2022, and we'll find out what's next for SEMIOS and Ag World. How farmers can optimise every acre how farmers can optimise for scale, and what farming data will improve for farmers in 2022. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice Podcast, Michael Gilbert. Thank you for coming on.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Beautiful, mate. And to get someone else their expertise, and especially coming from you're calling in from Vancouver today, aren't you? I am, yes. Great to have your expertise in and also great for someone else to be coming on to the podcast as a bit of an outsider outside of Australia boundaries, but also you're quite closely connected as we'll dive in a little bit more into the episode. But before we do get down to agribusiness, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and your connection to agriculture over in Canada, but also into Australia now.
1: Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Canadian and uh, I grew up on farms uh, throughout my childhood and um, ended up pursuing a, a, a degree in chemistry. So I did a PhD in chemistry and uh, spent some time in what's called natural product chemistry. So trying to figure out how to use naturally occurring chemicals for use for humans, which is typically in pharmaceutical use or agriculture use. And... Um, I started uh, SEMIOS back in 2010, and one of our first uh, products we developed was a, the use of a naturally occurring product called a pheromone in inset control. And uh, that has been kind of bloomed out to uh, more and more sensors and data. And uh, last year, we actually acquired an Australian company called AgWorld, and, uh, and now we're kind of combining forces to, to build essentially a, a large independent um, farm managing platform.
0: Yeah, so adding AgWorld to your toolkit and what it's done for Australian farmers, but also right across the world, it's had quite an impact on like the word of data is getting thrown around within agriculture a lot more than what it was 10 years ago. I think we did have it there, but we're starting to use that data, aren't we? And how we progress and make ourselves a better farmer, but also to run our farms more efficiently.
1: Yeah, I think there was, there was definitely a need for folks to to uh, organize, collect and and analyze the data um, on a farm basis, especially the historical data, because you can learn a lot by watching what happens and what you do and the uh, the results year over year. And that's pretty key. And I think Agworld's done a great job of that. I think there's this next step in, in farm data is going to be around uh, uncovering insights about that data so we've done a good job of organizing it now we need to find out how do we change decisions and what how can we predict what might happen
0: yeah so for farmers how can we make decisions around using this data off the platform such as AgWorld to be able to make a better decision for next time using the trends that we've seen previously how are like you as Semios and also World now trying to get farmers to think with their data?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because um, I think a lot of people assume that, that computers are very complex. But uh, having been on both sides of that coin, I can tell you that um, plants and animals are way more complex than any computer out there. And uh, so there's there's an inherent complexity to biosystems. And then when you combine that with um, this dynamic environment that changes every year and every season, it makes for a very, very complicated thing to predict. And so I think what we're going to see is as more and more farmers commit more data to these platforms and we get more hectares and more seasons, um, you're going to start seeing better predictability of what happens. And, uh, and that's where you have to get to. So it's important, I think, as a grower, when you, when you think about how can I use data to my advantage, it's a locking in that historical data and not just what, what happened in the field, but um, what happened during the planning, what happened as a result of the year, those things tie together. And you'll start seeing that predictability and which obviously drives then um, better prescriptions. So if you know how to predict, then your agronomist can better prescribe what to do. And we're going to see leaps and bounds of our understanding of the science of farming. Because right now we don't know a lot about it, and there's way more to learn, and way more to take away. Those the the, the ebb and flow of yields shouldn't be happening. We should have way better predictability of what happens on a farm.
0: Yeah, amazing. I I always say you get enough data from three years onwards. What do you recommend that you can start to actually see what trends are happening? And you can what you said before was a great way to put it with your predictability. Farmers are looking to make, we want to be able to predict what's going to happen in the future from this current crop livestock. It may be uh, right across the industry, but talking about cropping, we want to be able to predict the outcomes of what we've put in with our inputs as well.
1: Yeah, I often think um, it depends a lot on, on the region and the types of crops, but you want to get through at least the number of cycles that will be very, very different. So if you typically have a wet season and then a dry season, and maybe a cold season or whatever the sequence is, you want to get through at least one of each. So you have that visibility. And so some areas have like four or five different types of seasons they get. Some have one or two. So at least get those in the door. And then you'll start to be able, at least you've seen everything or most of what you'd expect to see. And, uh, and then on top of that, I think what we're looking to, to leverage is, you know, when you come on board, it's not just your data that we are able to leverage, it's also our learnings across all the farms that are on the network. And so that's when you start leveraging that and you come in and you already have that advantage because a lot of the times, whether it's the insects or diseases or nutrients requirements, Um, there's similar challenges across all the farms that have that have that are growing similar crops and so you can start seeing those trends and and driving out uh, some solutions
0: yeah amazing so over your experience with semios and into ag world now the power of data how has it changed the way we farm do you think for 2022 and what's going to be happening in 2030 2040 and 50 as we've actually gathered a substantial amount of data to be able to move forward? How do you see that playing a role within how we farm?
1: Yeah, so we, so at, um, at Semios, we started with basically a lot of uh, agronomy type data from the field. So we have what's called a, an IOT or, or Internet of Things technology stack. Yep. So we have right now, ballpark about two and a half million sensors on our network that connect every 10 minutes to our database. So we're tracking things like the microclimate under the tree of the canopy, we're counting insects with cameras, we're looking at water in the soil, all types of data that's coming in. And that was our focus for for several years. Um, Last year, we acquired three companies, uh, one in the automation space. So automating things like wind machines for frost management or irrigation control pumps. And we also acquired a company that was in record keeping, so keeping track of uh, what your agronomist recommended you spray, what did you actually spray, and then, uh, and then a lot of farm management tools like planning, scouting, all those things. And um, I think as we now start seeing, uh, so we believe now we have essentially data that covers the entire full crop production cycle from beginning of season to planning, to what happens in the field, how you're communicating, uh, how you automate your systems and what comes out in the end. And um, now that we have all this, all those things together, it'll be a unique perspective on, on understanding how those decisions you make throughout the year impact your, your result. And oftentimes I think uh, farmers get frustrated when when these data sets are siloed. They're held in different places and different formats. And now they're stuck trying to connect the dots. and uh, And frankly, that's just that's not the best use of their time. That should be pulled together. It should be seen so that when I make a decision, I understand how it impacts the rest of my year and not have to go and take it and port it over uh, because it's complicated, they don't, formats aren't always the same and you end up just spending more time and getting very frustrated. So I think as more and more uh, growers commit more of that data from the full crop production cycle to, uh, to a common database, a common uh, structure, We'll start seeing way more predictability uh, and more prescriptive analysis. So, I think you're gonna find a lot of agronomists will be working closely with these ag tech tools to make decisions, to understand how well the, the, um, the implementation was done, and then see what the results are. And I think what you're gonna find is the, the really good agronomist will start managing larger and larger paddocks and farms, right? Because the good ones can now leverage all these tools and help across way bigger farms. Instead of spending all their time driving around, they're leveraging these tools. And so I think if you're if you're a good agronomist, you're gonna be able to leverage these tools. If you're not, you're gonna to have to get your skills up and understand how this tech works. Otherwise, you'll be left behind.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like leveraging off the tools and seeing it as something to be part of your toolkit and not something that's gonna be the be all end all to solve all of your problems. Um, Those that are able to leverage off this and implement it into their farm, how they can use and feed that data back into their farm to make a little bit better decisions for the next time.
1: Exactly. And it's definitely, it is uh, definitely a tool uh, in their toolkit. Uh, You know, we don't have, you know, we cover now over, uh, you know, 40 million hectares around the world. There's no way we can understand the nuanced subtleties of every farm. There's simply not a chance we can do that, nor do we try. Our aim is to provide the tools that allow the agronomists, the people who know the land, who understand those farms, who understand the regions, to predict what's gonna happen there. And and these tools are, they're on your phone, uh, obviously on laptops, and you can access them readily available now. And and I think you're gonna find, you know, there are thousands of companies in ag tech And all these companies are going to find ways to then partner with some of the larger platforms so the growers can collect all this data together. And uh, I think for the benefit of the grower, uh, all these partners will have to play nice and find it together because otherwise it'd be too frustrating for the the grower to deal with that mess.
0: Yeah, I agree with that as a farmer to consolidate where your data is coming from and what's best used for yourself. Um, and how you can use that as well. Very like for 2022, I think we're starting to use the information better and able to filter that through into one seamless and to automate the process a lot more, which is what farmers are needing to make those decisions out in the paddock or in the office. And also by creating that relationship with the agronomist. I don't know about you in Vancouver over in Canada, but for farmers here, the agronomist lives in the farmer's pocket. They're always very close to each other and always talking, but to make that a seamless relationship and everything, the information flow throughout that can really move that farm further forward to get that better yield that they're chasing for this year and to decrease inputs by, but also increasing your yield for that for the next year.
1: Yeah. And there's, um, there's a lot of trust required uh, to make that happen, right? So there's um, obviously the grower and the agronomist They're They're entrusting a lot of often confidential key, um, some of their, um, their competitive advantage to whatever database they're committing to. So I think it's important. And there's going to be a lot of different uh, platforms being built and competing against each other. Uh, I think what you're going to see, you're going to see some free or nearly free ones coming from perhaps big Ag chemical companies saying, "Here, here's free software. Dump your data in, and then we'll, you know, we'll use that to whatever way we want. But we'll help you out. And then you'll have ones that are more independent that you'll have to pay for. um, But then you know it's independent and it's not going to be used in any way against you. And so I think that's kind of one of some of those big decisions that have to be made. Um, I believe that it's important that um, that farmers uh, look at that carefully. And they, I think, you do want to pick." A more independent steward of the data that allows the farmer to control who sees what and when. And they wanna make sure they have really good control of that. And I think that's gonna be a key, um, a key battle that's coming for sure into the marketplace. And uh, I think it's, it's definitely in the grower's best interest to have control over who sees what, especially when it's confidential information or it's your decision on what fertilizer you're using or what pesticide or herbicide. You want that to stay close and in trusted hands?
0: Yeah, well, data is very similar to currency. Data can really enhance what a business is doing and how farmers can actually control it. It allows them to be in control of what they're doing, their data coming off their farm. As we move into nearly everyone is collecting data on farm, but how they're collecting it, storing it, and using it is another thing. But I think for farmers coming on board, not too sure about ag tech, that is a really big key selling point to be able to say that your data is all safe as an independent um, and you're not sort of really selling it off, but a great way to get farmers to adopt ag tech as well.
1: Yeah, and, and um, as we start seeing, you know, we're seeing now we're going through obviously a, a, the beginning of a high inflationary period. We're already seeing the impact on a lot of chemicals that are going up in price, uh, fertilizers have gone up quite a bit. And so I think uh, the risks now have increased of of either not of making a wrong decision or not making a fully optimized decision is to directly impact your bottom line very quickly. And so I think um, data has massive power in that department. It's really a, it enables logistics much more effectively. Um, It enables that predictability. Like if you can decide, if you have that luxury of having the data to decide early in your off season, what you're gonna buy, you often get much better pricing. If you wait till the last minute to make a decision, now you're stuck with whatever contracts are left and you're paying more. And I think data will give you that flexibility that provides for logistics. And as we see farms get bigger and bigger, logistics becomes like for sure the the end game. And uh, and if you're trying to make sure you're staying on site in terms of regulatory, you wanna ship your product overseas, for example, to Europe, and Europe is saying you have to meet these criteria. We well, you want to make sure you actually met that criteria. So having all that stuff pre-planned, logistically, is going to be a massive challenge for growers. And and that's where tools and data really simplify and are and offer a massive advantage. Yeah.
0: Well, in Australia, we're seeing clear examples of farmers, those that are measuring, are far more, far exceeding the rest of the group. For those that aren't measuring their data, whether they're from livestock, cropping horticulture if you're being able to measure that data you can actually do something with it like you talk about even the carbon selling off your carbon credits you won't be able to actually do this without the data there in the first place and you probably need a good run on a few years of that data as well to back it up to be able to sell off and then
1: improve your farm in another way yeah i think the the regulatory requirements for both carbon offsetting and, and how you export your products um, is all gonna come down to data. It's all gonna be tracked and monitored and they're gonna to wanna to have transparency. Ultimately, even the consumer is gonna to wanna to have better visibility of how the food is produced. And so the sooner people get on board in terms of measuring, um, the better they'll be prepared for that, that regulatory and, the, and the, um, the transparency they need. And, and as you mentioned earlier, now, until you start measuring things, how can you possibly expect to improve things? It's simply not gonna work. Uh, you have to measure to finally understand, okay, what's the trend and are the decisions I'm making having a positive impact, neutral, negative, and what are the costs of those decisions? Um, and thankfully now, these tools are, um, they take a while to build, um, but they're they're more difficult to build than they are to use. Yeah. And so they have not built now, Using them, you know, we understand a lot from software that has been built for different industries has taught us a lot about how to make interfaces more usable, more user friendly, and how to make databases uh, structured more effectively for speed of use. And so um, I think the farming community has has benefited from the fact that these tools have been developed in other industries for more years, and now it's coming to agriculture, and you don't have to go through that tough phase of like really clunky software. Now it's here and it's at a much higher level than it would have been even 10 years ago.
0: Absolutely. And it's just there to leverage off as a farmer. If you're looking to adopt a new piece of ag tech that might improve your 1% as each day and improve your farm as a whole, uh, you really you won't be looking back too often,
1: only looking forward. Agreed. Yeah, and you're going to see that uh, we see it across uh, lots of different crops and regions. Um, you know, we're seeing it especially in, in in horticultures, obviously, where there's a lot of costs involved, whether it's water, uh, insecticides, fungicides, uh, or even nutrients. Um, these are these are expensive crops to produce, and uh, the margins can be tight. And so, you want to be on on, a, on the data side of of managing lo- your logistics. And so, we're doing a lot of work on that side. Uh, thankfully, we have, like I said, the, the amount of data we have has allowed us to see when and how things happen. Yep. And, and that used to be um, thought to be either bad luck or, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it, I just didn't get lucky this year. I didn't f- fall my way. But all these things are predictable. You know, when insects show up, is completely predictable. It's always some combination of, of heat and water over so many days. And then that insect will show up and it's highly predictable and when you do that and you understand that you can now deploy either the the right chemical more cost effectively or sometimes even switch to more biological or sustainable products because you know exactly how to use them when to use them and uh, and that's that's opened up a whole new ro- uh, realm of like how now where can you export those products and your cost of producing them comes down quite a bit as well
0: yeah and- exactly what you need in Australia at the moment, our input costs are going through the roof as well. And also coming into planning season, farmers are looking pretty wary about where to get the inputs from their fertilizer, their spray, um, to be able to get through the establishment phase of their crops as well. So it'd be very interesting to see coming up into our winter crop.
1: Yeah, I I think, um, and time is probably the most important thing you have to manage there. So the longer, the earlier you can make those decisions using your data, for sure, the better you're going to manage your costs uh, because that's always what works. People who wait last minute always get burned. People who actually plan ahead and are, 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 for, are further ahead of the game will always have better flexibility and manage your cost. And so uh, in that respect, uh, the investment in, in, in ag tech and software is often an investment in, in giving you more time more time to make decisions, more time to plan. And that time is everything in farming.
0: Yeah, I think like when people look at ag tech, they just look at the software and really not side that outside value, which is it gives you time, can save you costs on inputs and everything, which is quite a hard thing to sell because it's not on the packaging of the software, that outside value that you're going to be saving the time using ag tech to improve your farm and make it that more efficient, on the other side, it will give you the time to make the high-grade decisions so that you can actually grow yourself,
1: expand, optimize, wherever it may be. Yeah, I find it surprising how uh, not just in agriculture, but in many industries, um, people undervalue, underestimate their time. Yeah. Now, your time is so critical, and uh, we all have a specialty, and we should be spending most of our time doing what we're really good at. And time we spend either uh, delaying or, or worrying or not using it appropriately is, is very expensive. And I think it's under, off, like I said, under, often underestimated. And so if people really look at what they spend their time doing and thinking like, okay, what if I had like those five hours back a week? What can I do? Better, differently? Um, and uh, And that's something what software can help a lot with,
0: for sure. Definitely. I, I saw an interesting statement on twitter the other day they were asking like how can a farmer um, price their hourly wage so everyone else in the industry like a lawyer is a thousand dollars an hour where does a farmer fit into this and how much are they worth for their time maybe if we put a monetary value on it farmers will actually start to think hang on a minute i shouldn't be doing these 10 minute jobs when that ag tech could have automated the process of me entering all this data in over time each year each season and it's just a lot of time that you could have had to work on those decisions you could have been out on the track to actually working whilst you're gathering that data
1: yeah and then, and and uh and really making sure that time you spend uh not only reducing the uh, time wasted but also just putting that time to where you have that biggest value like if your biggest value is you understand that crop or that tree really well then you should be spending time on that and not planning or worrying about where to buy your fertilizer or your inputs, that should be managed by software for sure. And, uh, and often they can make it much more um, easy to use or maybe when it's all your data is organized, you can then leverage using um, a, a, an advisor, an agronomist to do the work for you way more effectively, right? Get somebody else who's good at it, but you don't want that person at whatever they charge for hour out there collecting data. You want that all in one place where so they come in and say, Here's what we're going to do. And that's, because that's, otherwise, if you, if you pay advisors to collect data, well, again, that's not a best use of your money and time. Yep. No, very well put. Mate, when I was
0: doing some research on you, come across your LinkedIn, and some a few things struck my eye. One thing on the Farmswise podcast, I'm trying to get farmers to do, I'm only a young bloke, so they don't have to listen to me, but optimizing every acre, you had that statement up on your LinkedIn and which I find quite important currently just because land prices are through the roof, but also you can be doing more with less acreage and just using the property you are now. So a lot of farmers in Australia, they just see, or young farmers as well, the more land you have, the more profitable you will be. But if we are able as an industry to get these 5,000 acre lots, 10,000 acre lots up to the scale of where we can get, Hundred thousand acres to the equivalent. How important that will be for the industry as Australia looks to bust through the hundred billion dollar mark at the farm gate. How have you seen this play out? Like optimizing over in Canada as well, but also now in Australia.
1: Yeah. So we have um, we have our footprint is is Canada, US, Australia, and Europe, and yeah, in all these markets, you know, uh, every acre is getting more and more expensive. And so, um, although there is some truth to that scale can help you, a uh, big farms can obviously afford to uh, economies of scale will come, come in play. But also I think to your point is like maximizing every acre is critical. I mean, you have whatever acres you have, you have. And now the question is how, how can you maximize that output? And, and we've certainly seen in the farms we manage, um, there can be a difference in yield or grade of anywhere from 10 to 30% on neighboring farms that have the same soil and same weather, but they're making different decisions. So imagine if you could put that 10, 20, 30% in your pocket, the difference that makes in your business. And we see it all the time. And it's all about decision-making and which farmer had more time to make decisions, which one was caught last minute, and, and how did they, um, their advisors, what kind of tools that they have to make decisions. And so I think um, there's a lot there and you should be able to benchmark yourself and see how am I doing relative to everybody else in my market versus like, you know, just what, what did your parents do? What did your next last generation do? And that should not be your benchmark. It should be like, how are my neighbors doing? And how, how can I up my, uh, my, up my game to get that optimized yield? And that's all about acres. You know, we, we track every acre we manage very carefully. And we often see differences between acre to acre, you know, whether it's like on the wind side or, or not the wind side, or I'm looking at the, the picture behind you, like on a hillside, how the wind's coming over the hillside, where it comes down. These all impact how those plants will grow. And understanding that is, is the first step in optimizing it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of variables to think about, but with the power of ag tech, I suppose, it sort of brings it all together so the farmer can make that decision without having to think about every
1: different element into it as well yeah and we have like um one of the nice things about building ag tech solutions is um you know having a map view is such a wonderful medium to work with and you can when you can map out your property and start looking at color coding the different areas and whether they're hotter or cooler or wetter or drier or different sand types um, it actually makes for a really interesting um, template for looking at your farm. And so farmers should be, always be looking at their farm in terms of like, okay, the edges, I know the edges, I know what, what sides are, are, are different. And then how do I make decisions? Do I make decisions based on the average of the entire farm? Or do I base it on the median? Or do I make different decisions on different parts? These are all things that can be easily viewed and managed. And uh, as we go forward, I think agronomists We'll get more and more comfortable with that type of tools that they would quickly look at something and say, "Okay, I understand this now. I see what I'm. Do- I see what I'm going to do here. Here's how we're going to move forward." And and it's easy to look at you know year over year data, week over week to see how things are trending uh, on uh, in those kind of mediums. Yep, beautiful. And the next thing
0: I saw was cu- curiosity within agriculture. And what do you think about why? What- what should farmers and why should farmers be curious in 2022 about ag tech, but also to grow themselves?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, curiosity opens your mind up a bit more in terms of what things could be and how they can be. I think we often get lulled into like, um, many generations of farming and this is as good as it gets and they will never get better. Or here's how we've always done things. And, uh, and if you do things the way you've always done things, you'll probably get the same result. Yep. But if you think you're gonna get a different, better result by doing the same things, well, you're dreaming, right? So, um, you know, I think it's the, that's kind of the, the classic of like, if you keep on repeating those same things, you should always get the same result. But if you're looking for more, then you have to be curious about what changes can I make? And so I think today, um, I think farmers should be definitely curious to see, you know, how, what different decisions could we make and now what tools do I need to make those decisions and and I wouldn't underestimate um, how bringing data together, historical data, how, how important it is and and how much you can leverage that to now make those try those decisions and allow the software to maybe extrapolate what might that look like If I made this change, the software can tell you well we think it'll be 10% chance of this and then you can make a call but it's a more educated call and not so much a you know, throwing a dart in the darkness.
0: Yeah, that's it. It just takes the, the risk out of it, of that, and comes back to being able to predict what's going to happen from your previous
1: trends that you've done before by the collection of data as well. Exactly. So being able to predict, I think, um, often takes uh, some of the risk away. And I think it puts farmers at ease. You know, they can go, okay, well, that makes sense. I see that trend now. Now I feel more comfortable being curious and trying something new versus like just trying something new out of nowhere without any indication of what might happen. It's pretty scary when you have one season per year, you're betting the farm on this decision that can be risky. And so this way you actually are able to manage that risk more effectively and, and you'll consistently see how other people who made that decision got this, this result. And so it gives you that confidence to try something new.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And it just comes when farmers come up to that line in the dirt, the invisible line, um, and they're able to actually have evidence backing from that data they've collected that they can get across that line, and actually bust through that yield, whatever the sort of variable they've been chasing for the year. Um, and it can go a long way to improving that crop, but also that family farming business, that corporate business as well.
1: Yeah. It's one of the things we looked at when, when we talked about joining forces with AgWorld. Um, you know AgWorld has a great data set on planning and results and we have all this infield data and and the combination really gives you that those evidence-based insights so not just insights out of thin air or theoretical we can actually measure and see how things are happening so when you have those that evidence-based predictability and insights uh, it again it, it instills a lot of confidence and will most, always give you a better result than if you're going out of there in in a more theoretical space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for yourself, what are you most looking forward to for 2022 onwards, working within the ag tech sector right across the world through to Europe, US, Canada, and Australia?
1: What are you most excited about for SEMIOS and ag world? Um, I'd say like um, right now, I'm I'm obviously pretty excited about... um, the pandemic coming to an end soon. And so we can start visiting uh, more of our customers and and staff and teams. Uh, I know that uh, our team will be at the the NUT conference in Australia next week. And so looking forward to meeting some of our customers and some of our teammates. Um, So I'm definitely looking forward to traveling more and uh, and visiting more farms and uh, understanding better how we can help. Um, Really looking forward to bringing some of these data sets together um, our teams are working hard at bringing that integration together so that farmers get that instant benefit when they, cause right now, when you, when you join the Semios family of companies, you now have access to four different products together that work together already. And so taking away those silos, aggregating the data is already there. And now we have, uh, we're, we're expanding our partner program. So more partners will come in. And I think this is going to happen quite quickly. I think you're going to see now a, an acceleration in terms of like, uh, uh, companies committing to different platforms and bringing those data sets together
0: beautiful and just on that what do you think of collaboration and how it can really move you forward and those that you're with because you, you said there's four groups within semios how can that as a farmer as well collaboration with your neighbors your community group in farming how can that really benefit farmers to move forward
1: yeah, I think that there's lots of lessons to be learned um, by what your neighbors are doing, what the other farmers are doing. And you can often manage that pretty anonymously. So you don't know who data was or how it happened. You can also control whether you want to participate in that program or not. You know, if you contribute, you can get also some of the benefits. If you choose not to, then that's also how it works. Um, but there's a, there's a, you know, you can watch uh, a, a hectare for a thousand years or 1000 hectares for one year, and get the same result. So if you can leverage all your neighbors data at the same time, you simply accelerate how quickly you get those insights. And so by, by joining a network of farms, uh, you have a lot more potential for accelerating what we call the science of farming, which is essentially how we understand why things work, and uh, the timing, the logistics. So, um, so just thinking about, do you want to wait around and see your farm for like, 20 years, 30 years, or do you want to quickly get to the results? And I think by collaboration, that's how you accelerate the, the value you get from the, the tools and the data.
0: Yeah, I think that everyone talks about leaving it better for the next generation, but I like to challenge that and say, why can't we have it now, make the moves, and in 10 years, we can really be better off from making those previous decisions. But also the generation is going to be further Ahead of what we first expected to make it better for their next gen.
1: Agreed. And it's going to be more and more important as these, as we have the, the, the generational transitions, Um, you know, a lot of these, these new farmers are going to want to have that data and, and get hit the ground running and not spend three years learning again and reinventing the wheel. You don't want to have those mistakes. Those mistakes are expensive. So why not come in fully tooled ready with data sets that exist, that are at their fingertips. I mean, that to me makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, well, I think I spoke to Doug previously. Now properties are get, are getting, farms are getting sold and they're actually requiring the data that have been used on farm previously, if there was any, of course. Um, and that's also actually a powerful asset to have if you are selling, but also something that's beneficial if you are buying into a new farm.
1: Yeah, it gives, it gives the uh, the seller and the buyer a better sense of, the, the value of the those that those acreages um, what can you produce there yep. what we optimize for it um, you know what genetics would be better used these are all things that are coming and I think as you as you if you have two or three years of data on that farm when you do go and sell it I think the value of the farm has gone up quite a bit because the people coming in are starting from a higher a, a more advanced place and they're not restarting from scratch and those those years where you, you make those big mistakes because you didn't understand the farm as well as you thought you did are expensive and they will discount the price of the farm if they're going in from scratch, but they're coming in at a, at a a, uh, more advanced place. I think they will pay that premium.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a very exciting time to be within agriculture to see all of this technology come to life and how it benefits in different channels as well. Not just the direct benefit that outside value I was speaking of before but Michael, thank you so much for coming on to the Farmswise podcast. Welcome to the alumni all the way from Vancouver.
1: Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Beautiful. So for anyone that wants to reach out or just see what you get up to, where's the best place and how can we get in touch with Agworld?
1: Yeah, so we're uh, We're on most of the social media channels. So we're on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, myself and the company Semios. So you can find us out there. Uh, and and Doug as well on, on through their website. So through our websites. So my website is uh, samios.com. That's s e m i o scom And uh, yeah, by all means, reach out. Love to talk to you or come meet us at the at the conference next week uh, in Australia.
0: Beautiful. I'll have all of that in the show notes. Thank you for coming on, and we'll speak to you further down the track. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast it is produced by advert digital the agribusiness marketing specialist go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice if you love this episode please give us a review on apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too but until then next tuesday keep on farming in the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.